It's time for Cats Talk Wednesday. Small town and big city joined forces. Benny Hardy of Lynch, Kentucky, and Terry Brown of Louisville, Kentucky, team up to give you free-flowing, laid-back sports talk. Focus on Kentucky Wildcats, as well as pertinent information in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. Happy Wednesday evening. Happy Cast Talk Wednesday, another episode. Terry, Gator Boots Brown, you know it's got to be serious when he ain't even tungsten arm no more. And the win over Florida Florida made him change that to Gator Boots. So, of course, we're going to talk about the big Florida W. We got some volleyball history in the making in a little bit as well. Uh, Y'all tune in and listen to us on Anchor. Spreaker, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, watch us on Roku and YouTube and courtesy of the BS3 network. Definitely proud to be a part of that. BS3TVLive.com. You can hit the little link, click on demand, scroll down and find us. We got episodes on demand. So Terry Gator Boots Brown right there with his fire set up in the new house. <laughs> I'm Benny Hardy here and we bring you another episode. We appreciate everybody takes the time. To listen, we got two guests coming as well. We'll get to them in just a second. My, my fellow Harlan County and Cumberland Redskin and former UK quarterback Freddie Maggard is hopping on here in about five minutes. And then the voice of the Cats himself, Tom Leach, is hopping on. So we're going to talk a lot of UK football with this win over Florida. Both of these guys are friends of the show, been on multiple times before, and I'm looking forward to chopping it up with them again. But TV man, I, I saw you on round of shots with the homies Kevin and and Carrie and Van and Corey Price, and it's not not trying to make it old hat, but it's it's another win over Florida. They're 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 starting to happen more often. We went decades without it, and now we now we stacking dubs against the Gators. Three out of five. Yes, Three sir. Out of five, uh, games uh, Kentucky has won. And when you throw out probably three or four other games in the last decade that Kentucky was good enough to win. Yeah. The untimed down, you're not missing that play clock down at Florida, mm-hmm. the the bonehead mistakes of not covering two Florida receivers. Other than the COVID year blowout, this has been a pretty evenly matched series. And mm-hmm. I never would have thought that. It was just a matter of could Kentucky get over the hump. Now, keep in mind, those three games, including last Saturday, Kentucky did not play an A-plus game. It, mm-hmm. it used to be if Kentucky was going to be competitive, everything had to break their way. Yeah. And that's not what happened on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a few folks, you know, Kentucky would have, should have, could have scored more points, but – I'm encouraged by the fact, and you know, we'll get Freddie to speak to that, is Kentucky is good enough to win road SEC games against name programs and not play a perfect game. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a mark of a good team. You know, any team can win if everything goes the right way. Yeah. You cause a bunch of turnovers, uh, the other team, whatever, whatever, missing a bunch of players. But for Kentucky to play – pretty poor in the first half all things considered mm-hmm. still be right there in it i was encouraged in the second half the defense played lights out uh you know i, I know the miscues were there but 
you know, you can point to any game, any time, and you can point to where a team could have won by more, converted more. I mean, that's just even uh, your Cowboys in the Super Bowl against the Bills, and they scored like 85 points, but there were still like, you know, Aikman wasn't perfect, right? You know, so you can always point to something, but yeah. my thing is you got to step Le- back. And Leon Lent. Leon Lent just took it. You know? <laughs> right. If it's a close game, that's a much bigger play, right? Yeah. yeah. So my whole thing is uh, it was a good win. It was a gutsy win. And it was the kind of win, because you can, like I said, if Kentucky wins on a fluke, you know, it's raining, it's snowing, it's whatever, that's explained away. But when the camera was panning the Florida sideline in the second half, and and them boys just didn't have any answers. (laughs) It looked like they didn't have any answers. And then when Florida went for it on a couple of those crazy four downs they chased the points man and, and that to me was a win it was just like lsu last year right lsu went for it on fourth down i think on their first or second drive of the game and you're like oh they don't think they can compete right and so sure. that's what happened against florida anthony richardson the cam newton mixed with vince young mixed with that Prescott, a little pinch of Dak. Little, little Dak in there. You know, and, and no fault to the young man. He's probably better than he showed on uh, Saturday, but mm-hmm. still, the defense was there. And again, there's nothing gimmicky. That's the one thing that I have been encouraged with under Stoops was, you know, how mummy, those teams, great, but a little gimmicky, right? Little, little, little gimmicky, little. The ascension of Stoops has been, we're going to punch you in the mouth until you get tired of us punching them out. Now, you may win, but we're going to keep punching you in the mouth. Yeah. And that's what we saw. And that's how that's that's what Kentucky is, is hanging their hat on uh, or hung their hat on for the last few years under Mark Stoops is we are going to be physical. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it was on defense. Jordan Wright with a big play. Smith with a uh, pick six return. The defense really shut Florida down. Uh, Corey Price said that Florida only ran – I think it was two or three plays in Kentucky territory in the second half. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And, and the, the safety with four minutes left in the first half was Florida's last points of the game. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm not a Florida historian, but I have to imagine that there's not too many times Florida's been shut out in the second half no. of a ball game. In Gainesville. And the teams that have done that have probably gone on, you know, maybe it's a Florida State team they play, or maybe it's, you know, Miami back in the day. You'd have to imagine that's a pretty short list of teams that have been able to do that. And even if you say this Florida isn't, you know, the Steve Spurrier Florida or the Urban Meyer Florida, it's still Florida. You check out their uh, recruit rankings. They they still have dudes. Uh, it's, it's finally time for folks to start realizing Within and without, uh, outside of the BBN, Kentucky's here. Kentucky's got dudes. There's no gimmick. It's just we have dudes. We have schemes. We've got the X's and O's. Uh, That was my takeaway from the game. Uh, Winning three out of five, I don't want to say Florida's ho-hum, but ho-hum. I mean, (laughs) you know, that that was the only thing I took umbrage with. uh, The one guy – I can't remember who it was that said Kentucky was soft before the game. Okay. Roman Harper. Roman Harper. And, you know, somebody, I can't remember what account, you know, 
you know, Florida, uh, Kentucky stuns Florida. Really? And even Dead's been uh, put the Kentucky win up there on the same lines as Marshall going into Notre Dame. And then you haven't been paying attention. That is my only gripe. Like I said at the beginning of the season, if someone says Kentucky's going to seven to five, that's your right. You know, people pick games all the time. But if your reasoning is because it's Kentucky, that don't do it for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it doesn't. So is it a surprise that somebody at that point, they were 500 in their last uh, four games. Now they won three out of five. Is it really a shocker that that team wins? I would not use that word to describe what took place. So that's, that's, that's my two cents. I love the game. It was great. The offensive line showed up a whole lot. Will Levis is as tough as they come. Cavassier Smoke uh, in the second half gave us a, a JoJo Kemp-like performance. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to win on the road in the SEC. Absolutely. And, yes, it's not as David as Goliath as everybody wanted to make it out to be. Like like you said, they put that in there with Marshall and, like, Kentucky hadn't beat them the previous year. And, they, I mean, they – they totally missed the point. It is not like this was fluky or right. out of the blue at all. Right. And that and that's that's my whole point. If if you you I mean it was an upset on the betting line, I get that. But yeah. but shocker, we didn't shock the world. I mean as as much as folks want Florida to be Florida, Kentucky better. I mean, it's not it's on the, on the field better, you know. I don't care about the recruiting rankings and pedigree and all that kind of stuff, but for the last five six seasons, Kentucky has been as good or better than Florida. Mm-hmm. And we so talk about a, this a lot. What we a world about, to live in, right? Yeah, we talk about it a lot too. And I asked Freddie about it too. Uh, I just had to email him the link, so he's trying to get in here with us. Uh, Billy Napier. Heard a lot of good things about him. Seems like a likable, nice guy. Did some good things at Louisiana. Uh, earned the right to, you know, be in the running for the Florida job and, and all this kind of stuff. Paid his dues, if you want to say all that. It was still his second game in his first year at Florida. As as much as you want to say he's improved and Dan Mullen mailed it in and he clearly, the wheels had fallen off on the previous regime. There's no way he can have whatever his culture is going to be in place yet. This was so when you're playing a first year dude, his second game, congratulations on your win against Utah. But look, we're here in year 10. It's we should come down here and 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 put it on you. And that's what happened. Well, it, yeah, that's that's the thing too, is uh the as a first year coach. He hasn't made his mark yet. He's still evaluating. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just had an off season to evaluate. And and Freddie will tell you that off season versus in season is just different. Yeah. We've heard, we've all heard about dudes that perform well at practice, great in drills, but when it comes <clears throat> game time, you know, there's people that don't perform. And then there's guys like my man Jerry Rice, who not the fastest, not the biggest, but when the spotlight is the brightest, he's the best. No. So you've got to evaluate under those kind of conditions. And that Utah game, it will probably turn out was fool's gold. 
we see this every year in college football, college basketball. Anytime you have preseason rankings, there's always a team or two that we look back and say, how did that team get – how did that team in the preseason? Yeah. You know, Kentucky basketball in 2013 with Nerlens. That was preseason, I think, preseason number one, start off the year number one. Mm-hmm. And was it deserved? Absolutely not. No. So that's not a phenomenon unique to Utah, but – you know, what do you do when, you, when you're dealing with rankings? Preseason rankings aren't going to go away as much as we would want them to. The My only gripe would be we can't cling on to those preseason rankings, even when evidence shows us Notre Dame is not that team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when a team loses, you need to drop out. That would, that would be my thing. Mm. Uh, but other than that, Utah was not as good as we thought. Uh, Florida may not be as good as we thought. You yeah. know, that's the that's the downside to wins like this is you don't know what kind of season Florida is going to have. But my point still remains, Kentucky is as good a program, slightly better than what's going on in Gainesville. And I know it's weird, right? You talk to Kentucky fans that there are a lot of folks that don't want to buy into the hype. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we talked about this one year before. The only reason you could look at the schedule for the last few years and not see eight, nine, ten wins is simply because it was Kentucky. And as Kentucky fans, we've been burned by that, right? Mm-hmm. So hey, let me let me bring that guess there. I just got oh, to, absolutely, absolutely. Freddie, I sent him a text that wasn't working. Got him the email. He is in here. Fella, come a red skin friend, guru of football, as everybody knows, from UK quarterback. Does this thing for KSR and own three and the depth chart podcast and every kind of place where you can drop knowledge. I got Freddie Maggot is taking time with own three, own brand with the own three. Freddie, you like that? <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing? Man, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the grind. The season's here. Uh, for me, you know, I got the game of the week, the Kroger KSR game of the week on Fridays. So that takes a lot of the week. And then UK happens. Got to do that on Saturday, and then got to do it again on Sunday. Monday, the Monday morning quarterback with Tom Leach, the KSR football podcast. I forgot the depth chart. We uh, we record at ten o'clock on Sundays now, so you know that it, it. You all know you all have lived lived this life for quite some time. It just never ends, you know. It's a good thing. I'm not complaining. Oh, Vinny, absolutely, Vinny. We ain't back in the coal mines. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> We're not working underground here. We're we're talking about sports. So. That's it. We're not slogging not, slog- not through that low cold. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> hey, who speaking of the speaking of the young kids, who who is the game of the week for the high school for guests or this week? Where y'all going? So, uh, uh, we're going to Pike County. It's Belfry at Pikeville. Ooh. So okay. our second rivalry game of the year. We had Danville and Bull County. Last week we had Jackson County at Louisville Shawnee, and then a trip to Mayfield in week two, and week one we were in Breathitt County. So we've been everywhere. Yeah, giving the whole state love. Western yeah. Kentucky can't say that you haven't been out there because you have. Oh, and you you about ready to retire and move out to Mayfield? I mean, I'd move to Mayfield today if I could. Man, I fell in love with that place. Wow. Um, I mean, it's beautiful. One, two. I mean, it's a, it's a football city, man. I mean, I got there at 4, 4.30, and there were already n- nine rows of tailgaters there. And, and 
they have to have a parking pass to, to park there to tailgate. So, and then the stands were packed and it was just a, you know, the, the team got a police escort in. It's just, it was a fantastic football experience for me. Unbelievable. And you're dropping weight like a prize fighter. Go ahead and talk about all your weight loss and you, how spilt you are and the physique and you got. Come on. I'm a long way from it. Uh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm, I'm working with uh, Whitford Nutrition, doing shakes and, uh, you know, a healthy dinner. I had, uh, what did I have? I had onions, peppers, and turkey meatballs tonight for right. dinner. So, yeah, uh, that sounds fun, don't it? <laughs> you be you out there. Hey, listen, I've been telling everybody when I went to Nebraska, the corn was different. You know what I mean? It was it was bigger, it was better, and I'm sure you know in Iowa you get you you experience some of that right now too, right? Absolutely, with a cornfield just right in my backyard. Which, yeah, I see that. Which 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 is spot on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna get we're gonna talk a little bit about the Iowa football, which is not football at all. But Freddie, the Florida game, my takeaway is this has become become routine. And I don't mean to say ho hum, it's Florida, but you beat them three out of five times. And like I was telling Vinny, not gimmicky, no trickeration. It's just lining up, punch them in the mouth for 60 minutes and being a better team. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I wrote about it and I said it many times. Kentucky is the better program or the better team with better players than Florida. I mean, it wasn't close to me. I thought, I thought Kentucky was a two touchdown uh, better team than Florida on Saturday. I think Kentucky could have scored, left a lot of points out there. Uh, but again, man, Brad White is a superstar. I think he's a superstar, future head coach. That plan he had. You know, a lot of people talking about the linebackers, and they did play well. I thought one of the most important plays of the game was Jacquez Jones' tackle on the quarterback draw. I think that was the tone setter. But the, the defensive linemen, and they rotated a bunch of guys up there, stayed fresh. They ate those blockers up to keep the linebackers free to chase Richardson and, and, and get tackles. That's their job, and they did a fantastic job, and the safeties did a real good job of fitting the run. Uh, Carrington Valentine was third on the team in tackles. I mean, you know, it just it was a just a great play and great execution. Offensively, I thought Will Levis was the best player on the field. Um, uh, but Kentucky, you know, we've seen we've we've seen six quarters of of offensive line play that just wasn't up to standard. And there's a lot that went into that. I mean, we can get that a whole different podcast. But um, come second half. Go out, simplify things, run some multiple, more multiple tight end sets, make it easier, make the targets easier. Okay, this is who you got to block, and this is how you got, and and just, and that's what Kentucky did. Had a, it was more of an, a state of mind or an attitude than it was X and O's. I mean, you can add the personnel groupings in there. Yes, that did help, but it was it was that. And football is a game of attrition. That's why I, I never like to to get too excited in the first half or two down in the first half because football's attrition, right? I knew that that Florida front seven, defensive front seven, was was thin. Had some dudes up there, but but not a lot of depth, right? So Kentucky just wore them down. And as you saw as the game uh, went towards the end of the end of the fourth quarter, Kentucky was dominating up front. Florida looked tired. Florida looked defeated. And Kentucky had its way up front. So – uh, and that's been the calling card, right? Yeah. Going back to the Benny Snell days, I think yeah. he had the bulk of his yardage, you know, in the third and fourth quarters. Yeah. That seems to be what this Mark Stoops team is about. It's not gimmicky. It's just right. come the fourth quarter, are you going to be able to do your job? Because we are. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and Kentucky may not win all those games, but 
if you're going to beat Kentucky, you're going to have to outwork the Cats. And as a fan, that's what I love to see. Yeah. You know, TV, I think you're so right there. I thought it was very fitting that Mark Stoops uh, got his 61st win in the Swamp, a place that 10 years ago most of us on this podcast thought was an impossible task to ask Kentucky to go down win. Mm-hmm. So he got it at Florida. But it, Saturday was a Mark Stoops win. It may it may look it may have gotten there a little differently, but it was a it was a typical uh, and beautiful Mark Stoops win. Okay, you take it on the chin, right? You, you get a couple scores, the punt, and it just a lot of things happen that was strange. You get down nine points. What's he do at halftime? What was they always say? We're going to go back to work. Didn't panic. Went back to work. That second half was a Mark Stoops half. Great defense, Florida. Uh, two first downs in the third and fourth, fourth quarter. Offense ran the football, managed the clock, uh, missed the kick, but but one one on on you know essentially sealed the game with a field goal. So I think it was a prototypical Mark Stoops win at Florida, and very fitting it came in the swamp. Now you said you said sorry, uh, you said on the depth chart that the offensive line. You, Stoops said, "Don't panic about the offensive line." Yeah. And you said when he speaks, I listen. Exactly. And you had to force yourself yes. not to panic. So if if you were panicking, yeah. doing all the things you've done and doing everything you know, it's, it's imagine how much more the fans and the non-experts were. Yeah. So what was causing the panic for you to until the point where you had to say, okay, I'm not going to panic anymore? What caused you know, I, I was concerned going into the first game because you had five new offensive linemen starters at five new positions. Eli Cox started last year, but guard now he's at center. So you have five new starters. That's a that's a lot. Communication was a concern of mine going into Miami, Ohio, and certainly Florida. Um, but what what really when you saw Kentucky get beat a few times, one more than a few times against Miami, Ohio, it was stunts, blitz, twists, delays, uh, uh, action by the linebackers. Miami was X and Oing that up right, and Kentucky didn't pick it up. Center called the wrong direction a few times. Will went wrong way a few times. Just wasn't talking, right? That is coachable. That could get cleaned up. I didn't. That did not concern me. What concerned me was the one-on-one losses. A, a large uh, a portion of that was at left tackle, but also at right tackle. So I look for two things. If it's scheme, it can be fixed. If it's communication, it can be coached up. But if it's one-on-one losses per, in an individual play, I get worried, and I saw I saw too many losses in that in that category. Okay, that makes sense. TV, I think I might have stepped on you, man. No, I just uh, Freddie, just the progression of Mark Stoops. I know it's been talked about a lot, but I, I really think it's remarkable just the progression that the program has made. Yeah, and I'm here in Iowa. You know, this is where Stoops yeah. uh, played college ball, and when I tell folks I'm from Kentucky, they all they want to talk Stoops more than they want to talk Cal yeah. because they recognize the job he's done in yeah. Lexington. And if Ferentz is on his way out, a lot of people are like, they want to call Stoops. Uh, yeah. But they understand just that grit that he's bringing. And yeah. someone said this to me yesterday, you look at the teams that have dominated the SEC, the Bamas, the Georgias, it's nothing gimmicky. They just beat you up for 60 minutes. Yeah. And that's how Kentucky has risen, you know, to be in arguably – top what two or three teams in the conference i, I yeah. think you can make that assertion absolutely and and if you look at mark stoops you got to look deep right you you, you gotta you gotta peel back the layers a little bit 
what influenced his football life? One, he's from Youngstown, and that is a football city. It's a lot like uh, the Tri-Cities, Vinny. I mean, it's a U.S. steel town, and you and I come from that. Um, so his dad is a coach. So that's a great influence on him. He goes to Iowa and plays for what, Hayden Fry. Is that his, was that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach Fry. Mm-hmm. Coach Fry. So that's his first two uh, influences, plus his brother Bob, right, player coach. His, or his uncle, Bob, coached at Youngstown and won all those national championships with Trestle. So football was was taught to him in a way that is physical, tough, chip on your shoulder, don't take anything for granted, we're going to outwork you. How would you describe the Kentucky football program in 2022? Physical, tough, don't let anybody outwork you. You know, same thing, right? So I think Kentucky – is such an amazing story when it's all said and done and, and Stoops hopefully retires one day here. We're going to look back and, and think, you know, there's a few instances where teams took on the personality of their head coaches. Kentucky is certainly that, right? Mm-hmm. Florida was that with Steve Spurrier. I mean, they yeah. had they had that attitude, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a few examples, and I'm sure, you know, we could get deeper into it. But this Kentucky program, this Kentucky fan base, has taken key or been taught how to football by Mark Stoops, and we like it. You know, it's not pretty. It's not the air raid. It's not, you know, if you look right now, Kentucky's ranked 13th in the conference in total yards per game (laughs) and ranked last in the conference in rushing. That's not happening forever, right? So it may look a little different how it gets there, but when it's crunch time, they're going to go back to Stoops ball, and that's what Kentucky did to beat Florida. And and that's been my takeaway. People expecting us to score 50 points a game and throw it 40 times a game, that's just not happening. No. We are going to grind it out on people, and and I'm okay with that. A win's a win, yeah. right, in, in, in my book, whether it's by 10, by 3, whatever. And here we are at our advanced ages seeing Kentucky go down to Gainesville. It's not a surprise. Right. It's not a fluke. It's not whatever, you know, we're not soft. We're just going down there to kick kick butt. Can I, can I say that on the show, Vinny? Kick butt. <laughs> Keep it clean. If anything, it was a little bit disappointing because I thought Kentucky was a 14-plus point better team than Florida. Uh, so, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of ways to look at it. Kentucky can't grind it. I think they're going to need to work on that these next two weeks, the run game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but <clears throat> you got when you got a dude at quarterback, you got a chance. And Will Levis is that dude, man. I mean, I still talk to a lot of people, decision makers in the, in the NFL, and to a, to a person, they tell me that that Will made money against Florida. Mm-hmm. That he that that was that's what they wanted to see him get in the face, get hit in the face, get up, him throw a deep ball like that, uh, him run 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 a pro style offense. And one one person uh, told me that the most impressive part of Will's game on Saturday was the fact that he operated the huddle, got the plays in, didn't have to call a timeout, and Kentucky only had one offensive penalty. So he managed the game, right? I mean, that's that's a bad – some people think that's bad, but the management of the quarterback position, I thought Will, Will was extremely, extremely uh, good at Saturday. And that uh, leads me to my follow-up question. These next couple of weeks, we've got uh, Youngstown State coming to town. What are you looking for? Uh, for the team to work on. I know you said running game, yeah. offensive line, a little bit more from Will in the passing game, perhaps. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that Barryon Brown is going to have a huge game against Youngstown. Uh, he, you know, he had the, the kickoff return. Dankey's had his thing. You know, I think, but I think, I think they're going to get get Barryon in there and get him some catches and let him do his deal. You're going to see some new receivers too. Some of those freshmen, Dakel Crowdis, make it may make his first uh, real appearance in a game, and then some others. So, uh, you know, there's two ways to look at it. Do you want to you want to work on that run game against an actual opponent, and and that's something that Kentucky could do, or hey, we want to throw it around because our guy Will got us a win in Florida. Let's get him some stats, right? I mean, there's different ways to look at it. Either way, I think I think this week is probably one of the hardest uh, practice weeks of the year because you know that Mark Stoops is here. He's heard it. The players have heard it how great they are. They beat Florida. They've arrived. Now it's on. You just got to get to Georgia, you know, get to the Georgia game. And you got a bunch of tough dudes from Youngstown coming to town, you know, and, how, you know, how many upsets have we seen, you know? So I'm not Absolutely. saying he's going to lose, uh, but Chattanooga about beat Kentucky last year. Yeah. Right. So got to, got to be clean. I want, I want to see clean on offense. Defense, just do what you do because they're going to get tested. Uh, uh, Youngstown has a, a running back average of close to 190 yards a game, uh, so that's going to test. But Kentucky's built to play that uh, that style of football. Mainly, I want to see clean game. I don't want to see penalties. I want to see anybody hurt, and I want to see the young players get in. I want to see Keonta Goodwin uh, in game action, right? I want to see Keaton Wade more. Uh, you know, get the young players in uh, and get David Wallabaugh back in there. Get him some confidence back because. A young man had a rough night against Miami at left tackle. Get him back in there and let him taste a little bit of success, and I think that will help his development down the line. Absolutely. Oh, we talked about it before you came on. You know, you get a first-year coach at a program. The cupboard is going to vary. Some cupboards are very bare. Mark Stoops, uh, Napier's cupboard wasn't as bare, but I still think, and I've said it many times, if you're an established coach, which you don't get to be established in the SEC without doing something right. You know, Stoops right. has been here 10 years, Saban, you know, you got to be doing something right to stay around. Yeah. If you're established, Billy Napier is probably an upgrade over the tail end of Dan Mullen, but that was only his second game as Florida's coach. You yeah. got to take it to a guy that's just getting his stuff together yes. in a new program. We saw Stoops take his lumps in year one, two, and ten. You, everybody's got to be looking at, hey, we got to beat Billy Napier. You know, first year, he's going to have to take lumps. Beamer, you know, maybe he's the exception to the rule by going six and six and winning the bowl game, but he barely beat Vanderbilt and barely beat Missouri, or he's four and eight, and we're looking at him differently. So I think first yeah. year coach, you got you to gotta jump on him. Well, Beamer also had Florida come in there not good at all. Got that win, you know, yeah. and, and just – there was a lot of things that went into South Carolina who, you know, it's sad to think that they're already out of the playoff contention because that's how a lot of people saw them going into the season as usual. But yeah, I thought Stoops absolutely uh, outcoached Napier in the fourth quarter. Uh, Stoops management, again, much like Will Levis, the management of the game. You could tell Stoops was that 10 year veteran and, and Napier's in his second game, his first SEC game. So, you know, it's a big difference. And, you know, I tried to tell everybody all week, don't – I mean, if you think Florida beat Utah, that, that's great, you know. 
Utah should have won the game. Kentucky's got much better players than Utah. So I think, you know, going back to TV's point earlier, it's okay for us to have a good football team. It's okay for us to have expectations. And it's hard for, you know, somebody like us or me who goes way f- farther back than you all. You know, it, it's, it's, it's almost surreal that Kentucky is a top 10 team and it's a legitimate top 10 team. And uh, it's okay to get excited, you know, and it's, it's a great time to be a fan. And that's that hurt that we, like I've been telling people, like these kids don't know that no. we lost some game in 1984 or that the one team went one and 10. They don't, they're not, they're not living in that hurt. Mm-mm. As I said before the season, Freddie, if someone says Kentucky's going seven, five, I don't get mad. Like, no. People are picking. Right. What I do take points with is, well, that was a shock because Kentucky beat Florida. That just tells me, Mr. TV person, you're not doing your homework. Oh, no, no. Right. Like if, if you yeah. think that we are going to seven five just because it's Kentucky, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. So that's where I take umbrage with folks that try to, you know, knock down what we're doing. Like yeah. we've been doing, we've been as good or better than Florida for like seven of the last eight years. Yeah. I like to call it, you know, people get logo fooled. You know, they see the Gators on the helmet, there's already a perception. See the UK on the helmet, there's a perception. And, uh, you know, that happens all the time. You know, the the Utah win counted way too much because, you know, it's Utah. They're a good team, but playing a bad league, right? So a little bit different in the Southeastern Conference. Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, 100%, I agree. Uh, it's, It's logo and people get confused that Kentucky logo that that brand is a top 10 team and it's won what 10 games two out of four years yeah it's it's it takes a lot of getting used to I guess for some folks outside of the uh, outside of the fan base that just you know is having uh, you're having so much fun now I mean you know you get through Florida okay we get two two weeks to to cheer them on right you know we're at home and and then and then here we go back into the worry part when Ole Miss got to go travel to Oxford. So, yeah, one hundred percent. I think a lot of people uh, don't respect Kentucky because of the logo, the history, uh, the perception, and that's just basically not true. And based speaking of that, last year we saw, and look, we can't control. Nobody can control what happens with the other teams after you play them. You know, Alabama fans still talk about 97. Well, we went four and seven when the year y'all beat yeah. us. Well, oh, yeah. We can't control what you did after you lost in Lexington. Last year, Florida and LSU didn't have great seasons, and people wanted to use that to kind of diminish what Kentucky did. Do you see this year's Florida team finishing up better than last yeah. year's Florida team? I think this year's Florida team is better coached, better disciplined, better organized, and tougher. And I still don't think any other team uh, on that schedule will hold Anthony Richardson to four yards rushing. I mean, this is going – I mean, you know, what Kentucky did down there, especially in the second half, uh, you know, that's that's a statement defensively. So I think Florida is going to be better than they were last year. Yes, 100%, because they believe in Billy Napier. I mean, they do. I mean, and he is is known in, in, in the coaching world as a high-level organizer, and that's what that program needed. I think Dan Mullen didn't recruit very hard. He didn't organize. He didn't manage, uh, you know. So and or and and Napier does just that. So yeah, I think he's going to be good for them. 
How did you evaluate, speaking of Anthony Richardson, how did you evaluate him? I mean, well, not a lot to go on, but you know, you know, your your impression of what you, you know, I, I, him do, I do think he has elite traits. I mean, he, you, I think he's physically, I mean, he's got a, a very strong arm. He's fast. He's strong. I mean, he can run. Uh, but again, I didn't, I didn't put a great deal of stock in the Utah win and the body of work hadn't been there for me mm-hmm. or Anthony Richardson. So I've I, I watched him closely. I've watched the game several times. I, I, I still think that the hit that Jacquez Jones had on, on the quarterback draw was the moment, you know, we can talk about the interception with Jordan Wright in that too. The moment that Anthony Richardson realized, hey, listen, I'm not going to out-athlete these guys. <laughs> I mean, these guys can can run. They can play. And yeah. I, it could have been they were too high from the Utah win, or it could have been, okay, that's Kentucky. We, we should roll over then because we're favored by a touchdown. But I think at that moment, th- things got more difficult for Anthony Richardson. And when, and when it gets more dip- difficult for a quarterback, your confidence t- seems to go down. He was throwing high which means, means his mechanics were, were not where they should be. So, it's just, you know, it's just – it's a tough deal, man. And uh, I still think he's a fantastic athlete and and can be a great quarterback. I've just not seen enough of him. But, man, he is super, super talented. Because mm-hmm. he he threw two picks, but he, he was trying. I tweeted yeah. that. Yeah, he was trying to throw six or seven. There were yeah, a lot was. of hit balls. A lot yeah. of, you know, and I was like, this dude is trying to gift wrap some yeah. people tonight. Yeah, he, he, you could tell that you could tell I could tell by his eyes mm. in the second half that he was like, Oh, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, because they, they the camera panned to him. These guys, you know? yeah, the, the camera panned to him, and it was just, you know, what do you do? And I felt that Florida's a staff, when they start going for it on fourth down like they were doing, yeah. that to me was like, oh, oh, they don't think they can do their regulars. Yeah. It, you know, LSU did it last year. I think they went for uh, fourth yeah. down, like on their first or second drive. And it's like, oh, you don't think you can? Okay, yeah. okay. That to me was like, oh, game over. Like they don't yeah. think they don't think they can do this. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, people. I mean, these players hear what we say. You know, they may say they don't, but they do. They read what we write. They may say they don't, but they do. <laughs> Anthony Richardson was was being praised by everybody last week. You know, and maybe since he's a new starter, he's not a new player, he's a new starter. In his mind, he thought, man, I can I can get on the edge on anybody. This is this is easy. Mm-hmm. And when Jacquez Jones, you know, met him up, yeah. I think I think that was a moment like, okay, you know, because <laughs> I, I thought personally, if I had to pick between Jordan Wright and Chris Rodriguez Jr., who to play on Saturday against Florida, I would have picked Jordan Wright all day long because look what he did with him and J.J. Weaver on the edge that kept contained, Richardson couldn't get out of the pocket. Kentucky mm-hmm. got in his face and stayed in his face for 60 minutes. Uh, and, uh, again, just a great, uh, awesome game plan by Brad. And Kentucky, look, you were part of the staff. You know it better than anybody. You hear the big dog say it. You hear Stoop say it. Recruit and develop. Yeah. Recruit and develop. Now the level of player has gotten better. You know, they're not they're not getting elite five stars like Alabama, but they have raised the level of talent yeah. while still recruiting and developing. But talk about how they seem to to continue to hit with the transfer portal too, because yeah. these guys coming in, Levis, 
uh, Dare Rosenthal, Bossman Fat, they could come in and not pan out, but they have, they're getting banged for their buck every time a dude comes in from the transfer portal, too. Well, I think, first of all, Stoops, Stoops accepted the transfer portal. Some fought it. It's a rule, so he you try to use it to the, to the best, right? And you had a couple corners. It's gone both ways. You had a couple corners, one at Pitt and one at Purdue. Both made big plays in the same, in the same night, but uh, – I think Mark and Vince and that staff have been very strategic in the portal, uh, going after certain positions, certain players that fit. I think they have a fit that they like, and that's what they go after. They don't, you know, you see Ole Miss, who supposedly won the portal. You know, you see teams with 18, 20 new players. Kentucky doesn't do that. They, they see a need, they fill it with the portal, and, and they hit on these guys because – Kentucky is one of the best. Uh, this is not me talking. These, these are a lot smart, smarter folks than me. Kentucky develops their players as good or better than anybody in the country. I have my most trusted SEC personnel expert. I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave his name out of it. Tell me, he said, we live in a day and age that Kentucky has better players than Florida and LSU. And then his next text was, Florida and LSU have players that do great at combines. Kentucky has football players that play great in football games, and there's a big difference. That's exactly what I told Vinny before you got on was, you know, Florida's got dudes. Other teams have dudes that, that test well. But, but you know from having to play, there's a difference between practice player and game player. Yeah. You know, there are players that they look the part. They've got all – they check all those boxes. But when the whistle blows – not the same. And you've no. got people that that don't do any of that stuff. Like, you know, they always show that picture of Tom Brady from his combine. And you have to be like, why would you draft that guy? Yeah. And then you look at what, what he does. So yeah, I love that as as a as a fan and, and not so much X's nose, I remember I think it was a the Mississippi State game, Stoops first or second year. And I just saw we had defensive players in the right places didn't always make the right plays. And right. I said to myself then, if we get some dudes, yeah, the X's and O's are there. And now we've yeah. got dudes in the right position, making the right plays, particularly on defense. Well, you remember that Mississippi State team with Dak that was so good, uh, was ranked number one in the country. They played in Lexington. Mm -hmm. And one of the big storylines uh, was that the Mississippi State had – two front sevens, the ones and the twos, and they were completely different. They played with each other. So the ones would play two series, come out. The twos would play two series, then the ones. That way you're always fresh up front. Again, I go back to what I said, you know, Jacquez Jones, DeAndre Square, who is 49 tackle shot, 300. I'm keeping that ta uh, tally. Mm -hmm. I really want to see that kid get that. Uh, Weaver and Wright get all the credit, but those big guys up front, <laughs> You know, they may not have had a lot of tackles. Deion Walker had a tackle for loss of one of the biggest plays in the game, true freshman. But you'll see them eat up two blockers, right? When they're eating up two blockers, that's one blocker that can't get to the linebacker. So, you know, I try to explain it like this. Those defensive linemen, their job is, yeah, to get to the quarterback, yes. To get a tackle, yes. But their main job is to, is to occupy off offensive linemen so the linebackers can run. They did a fantastic job of that. Ty Asian was, was excellent in his run fits. And I think we saw the beginning of something that could be special. And Jordan Lovett at safety, seven tackles, came in for 
Jalen Geiger, prayers for him and his family, great people, mm -hmm. uh, and hope he's okay. But Jordan Lovett came in and played really well. Got to ask you real quick uh, before we let you go about your Steelers. You're the only person that's the, got a team that's 1-0 on this podcast right now as far as NFL. So are you are you having fun kind of maybe giving it to the Bengals fans a little bit since no. they were riding high last year? No, because I know next time we play, it, it ain't going to be that way. <laughs> I think we're in trouble. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, unless uh, two gloves can do something for us, I think we might be in trouble. Mm. Uh, Kenny Pickett. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, a little worried. Uh, T.J. Watts out. You know, yeah. that's a little worrisome there. Uh, running backs out. Najee Harris. That's a little worrisome there. So, you know, I'm also a Jags fan, and I, and you know, I like the Jags with Josh Allen there, but mm -hmm. my guy Luke Fortner went down there, starting at center. So, yeah. man, I got I I look like T.B. I got. Jags gear, I've got it all. <laughs> hey, no, we ain't mad at you. We ain't mad at you. <laughs> that, that's you okay. Like it out there in Iowa, bro. You like you like it out there? Yeah, the winters aren't fun, but I I do like it. It's 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 great. Uh, I did go to the uh, Iowa South South Dakota State game and did the wave. Have you seen that yeah, one? Yeah, that's the really kids. Cool. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I was ready to wave. I was not ready for the kids in the windows to wave back. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were on that end. Yeah. That was very, very nice. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, Iowa, like I said, they love Stoops. I hate uh, that, too. The, the, the bowl game was fun. My wife yeah. is a Hawkeye fan. Yeah, no, I see it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, house divided. Yeah. Well, we knew when both teams were 6-0 last year, I said, you know what's going to happen. Kentucky's yeah. going to play Iowa. And it came to pass, but it was good. The people here are nice. Yeah. Uh, even after the game, they were really excited because of Stoops. You know, yeah. if we had to lose, they were excited for Stoops. So it's mm -hmm. it's been good. It's been good. We're gonna yeah. go to a wrestling meet in the winter too, Vinny. That's big. So, That's ooh. huge. There. Yes. Yeah. Twenty four yeah. national championships. Yeah. Eight runners up. They are. They're getting their own wrestling facility. We're talking about facilities in Lexington. Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling's getting its own place. Yeah. Uh, in Iowa City. So. That's awesome though. That's mm -hmm. great. Guys, I appreciate y'all having me on. Can't thank you enough, Thank man. you, Freddie. Yeah, you guys take care. And anytime you need me, just just holler. I'm always here. Okay. Hey, all right. Thank you, so Freddie. Much, Freddie. All right, see you guys. You good? UKQB, Freddie Maggard, Harlan Countyan, coming risk in. Good people, dropping knowledge. Uh, speaking of, oh, 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 wait a minute. What was that? If if it, it lagged on me a little bit, let me see. Oh, 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 I wish I hadn't asked what that was now. Man, uh, it well, okay. <laughs> where, now, where did that come from? To TB, <laughs> all my best, Joe Montana. Man, now, where, is... did, where did that come from, Lord? I said, let me, let me go and hook him up. That's still <laughs> a funny story that it just sat in my basement at my condo because I didn't think it was for me to my youngest look and said, Dad. It's got your name on it. So what? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah Lord, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, though, have have you – I know you had a lot going on. You know, uh, new house, newly married, job okay. changes, Mama B came to visit. Oh, yeah, that was you fantastic. Know, all those things. But have you taken time to carve out a minute – to make a cameo for Kurt Farron's son. Seems like everybody making, making them cameos for... <laughs> so, look, 
through two games, the Iowa offense has one offensive touchdown. The longest drive is like six or seven plays. It's not great. And I keep, you know, we had our spaces last night, and uh, all I'm saying is, you know, Scott Frost being out at Nebraska. Yeah. And uh, Ferentz's seat getting a little warm. Mm-hmm. Um, on the call-in shows and what have you, those folks are talking about stoops. As you, as, as you, look, as you would expect. I keep telling folks, I'm not saying that Mark Stoop will leave Kentucky for Iowa or Nebraska. Definitely not Nebraska because that is a disaster of a program. As, as you're talking about with cupboards being bare, that Nebraska cu- uh, uh, cupboard, it's bare. Amon <laughs> Green not walking through that door. You know, Tommy Frazier not walking through that door. And, and all those guys. Um, my, my point is – you know, I was going to come calling whether or not he answers, whether or not the call is serious. I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is I've listened to post game shows and, and caught little snippets of, of stuff here in Iowa. And as I keep telling people, the natives are all about Mark Stoops. <laughs> his, his name is on the list. Now, Ference, now that that's the thing about Iowa though, is between Ference and Hayden Fry, you only get a one new coach every twenty to twenty-five years. Yeah, like they kind of like the Steelers with that, right? They I look mean. like the Steelers, and that is their whole thing. There's probably been three Iowa coaches in our lifetime, man. So, and we're old people, you and I. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but my point is, they may come calling, and I don't, I don't and look. I hope it. And, I hope he doesn't leave if they come calling. Let me be very clear about that. Yeah. I don't want Stoops to come to Iowa, but I just think it's a call that he'll listen to. And 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 folks, yeah. well, it's it's a step down. Even as a courtesy, he listened. Yeah. You know, okay. The Iowa offense is dreadful, but we literally just played Iowa in the same bowl, so it's not like the programs are world apart, right? That's the point I've I've, I've been trying to make is the offense is just dreadful. They've got all conference defensive players. The punter, my goodness, with the workout he's getting, <laughs> you know. But unbelievable. The issue is, Kirk Ferentz's son is the offensive coordinator. It was bad last year. They finished either last or dead last in just about every offensive category across the board. They were told off season the offense is going to be more dynamic. And 155 yards against South Dakota State. Man. Mm-hmm. Only one short scoring drive thanks to a turnover your defense against Iowa State. And Iowa State drove 99 yards on them to win the game, right? The defense was gassed. That's that's the thing is you can only ask your defense to do but so much. If you mm-hmm. can't extend drives, you might have the 85 Bears on there, but that's not going to work. So my Cowboys talk about defense being out there all night. That's what happened Sunday against Tampa. You know, love Dak, but they they weren't doing anything before he got hurt, and the defense was out there all day. So yeah, I mean the Iowa fans, maybe they had to be at least. I mean I know it was Lil Ames that was doing it, but they had to at least appreciate seeing a drive. 
even though even if it is your bitter rival <laughs> that was doing the driving. <laughs> well, and, and the thing, the Iowa fans, they're realistic. They understand, you know, this has been their bread and butter since forever. You mm-hmm. know, they haven't had the quarterback come out and light things up. You know, Alex Karras of Webster fame and Blazing Saddles is is Iowa's dude. Like, you know, Dallas Clark. Like, it's tight in you. You got mm-hmm. Dallas Clark. You got uh, uh, Kittle. You got uh, all these uh, good tight ends. Robert Gallery had that great All-American oh, uh, season a few years ago. Like, it's the offensive linemen and tight ends that we know from Iowa, mm-hmm. right? So they're used to having to grind things out. But this is even beyond that. This is – this is not that. This is not palatable at all. I mean, one touchdown in eight quarters, mm. that's tough. That's rough. That's, tough. that's rough. Trying to get Tom Lee situated. I had to email him the link. Hopefully he can get it because I had to text to Freddie, then email to Freddie. Text to Tom. It wasn't able to get in. Email it to him. So hopefully he'll be here in just a second. But you, we mentioned that, that Frost got let go. And Nebraska, uh, Freeman at, at Notre Dame is already in a hot seat. But but for a minute, I thought Frost might hang around longer than Freeman because we. <laughs> but because uh, you you said whatever you tweeted me like man Notre Dame's not going to put up with this and they're not they're going they're going to Tyrone Willingham him if yes. he doesn't get it together. Yes, but. I thought Frost might stick around longer, but Georgia State was finally the the nail in his coffin because they had him out there in Lincoln. Nebraska was something like 200, maybe 315 and 0, uh, mm-hmm. scoring 35 points at home, and the one was Georgia State. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of folks, you know, his buyout goes down October the 1st. Look, somebody went to the AD, Trev Albert, said, look, you got to make this move now. Here's my checkbook. It's a gots to go situation because losing to Georgia Southern is bad. Doing it in year like four or five or whatever, you, you can't have that. You know, you'll let stuff slide with a first year coach, second year coach as he's trying to build things up. But it was obvious that Nebraska wasn't going to turn around under Scott Frost leadership. And yeah. then the whole puking thing, like, okay, that's just fake tough guy stuff. You know, I'm not too worried about that. Um, but going back to Notre Dame and, and Marshall, way to go, Thundering Herd. Yeah. Way to go, Appalachian State <laughs> against uh, against Absolutely. TAMU. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, and you see all the stuff coming out of Texas A&M, the, the cheers about the Appalachian folks and all this kind of stuff. You're in College Station, Texas. The last thing you need to do is talk about how backwoods somebody in Appalachia is. You're in college. You're not even yeah. in Dallas or Houston or San Antonio. Come on, man. Come on. Absolutely. Uh, let me see. I have a couple of technical difficulties, difficulties with Tom Leach. Let me see. Uh, huh. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We have the voice of the cats himself. I thought I had messed up, but we got him in here with the link. And so we will recap the Gators with him. Appreciate him taking the time. Go ahead and bring Bourbon County's finest own Tom Leach. Sorry about the curveball, Tom. How you doing, sir? Doing well. I'm sitting here watching the Kentucky volleyball game and 
getting over a cold, so I may cough a few times, <coughs> like right there. But thank uh, you. <laughs> I had to change, find enough settings to change. We finally got it to work. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, we definitely appreciate you taking the time as always, and uh, got a little drainage going on myself right now, but um. The cat's making history as well. We hadn't talked about that yet, but Coach Skinner and company, he was on your show talking about it and playing Louisville for the fourth time that a women's regular season volleyball game is on the mothership. So glad that Coach Skinner and the cats can be part of that for sure. Yeah, they're um, they're up three as I'm watching this. Um, and been playing well. They were down early and they've come back to take the lead, so – Hopefully they can uh, do this. I'm going to walk to a different location as we do this because my uh, battery is dying. Oh, man. Since uh, COVID, that's part of it. You know, Dick Gabriel in his garage. Yes. People, <laughs> people have dogs barking and stuff now, on, you know, when it was normally pristine audio and you hear keys rattling and kids crying. Since COVID, that's kind of – everybody's kind of gotten – Yeah, that's the norm. Bad. Everybody's gotten used to it. I've got a uh, – home office out behind the garage so let me just walk out there as we talk and uh, <laughs> get it hooked up to a better look better sound yeah absolutely a little leisurely stroll but you know you just came back saturday from being well you joined kwood as a voice of the cats to call consecutive games over the gators i, I look back at the hit the series from 48 to 51, Kentucky beat them four straight. Was that Claude Sullivan that might have called that? or uh, Would have been, yeah, I would think so. And there might have been other guys. There were multiple people calling games in those days, I think. But okay. Claude would have been the most recognizable. I don't think Haywood. Let's see, he finished in 92. So that would have mean he started in uh, – gosh, he would have started in uh, 53. So, yeah, right. he wouldn't have been doing them then. So you had – you had Kentucky winning three championships in basketball and four football wins over the Gators. That's that was quite a quite a run back in the day for those around to see it. Well, you had Bear Bryant and Adolph Rupp together, and fabulous five in basketball, and Babe Pirelli and Bob Gain in football. So, pretty good players here at that time. True, true. And the first win over Florida was fifty-two nothing. I mean, and then it, to imagine it got so one-sided, but. Started out with a bang, whooping up on them down there. Um, got to talk about your unique circumstances too. With with you, everybody sees the tweets of the booth cam and you and Picoro in the booth, and you were calling on your cell phone there in the swamp press box. Where does that rank in some of the unique situations where you had to roll with the punches? Does that move high up the list or? Where does oh, that it's, you know, it's, it's up there somewhere, but I mean, we had the power go out of the Bahamas back in August of 18. Uh, so Mike Pratt and I were doing a, one of those basketball games down there at that time on, uh, on a cell phone. And then, you know, the days of doing high school games, uh, you know, you do a lot of creative approaches. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it, you know, didn't affect you at all. My one question, too, with, with Jeff, were on the touchdown to, to Dane Key, he took his headset off to holler. So what what was <laughs> what did he say at that point? <laughs> Is he, I don't I don't I don't because uh, I've got headsets on. So I don't hear a lot of that stuff. And and a lot of times don't even see what's going on with him or the any of the other people in the booth. So it's kind okay. of it's kind of funny when I see it. 
yeah. uh, they put it out too. Absolutely. Um, but TV jump in because I don't want to just hold call, man. No, covering the cats over Mark Stoops' tenure, you've had kind of a front row seat to see this team go from two wins to you know uh, struggling against Western Kentucky to now being able to out physical these name brand teams in the SEC. Kind of what has that been like to you know you're there obviously for every game and just you can visually see Kentucky's got dudes that can go and compete now. Where you know before we had some dudes, but now we got dudes up and down the roster to go out and compete in Gainesville. Yeah, I remember that first game that Mark came here. They played Western Kentucky in Nashville, and uh, Jeff went down on the field before the game and uh, talked to some folks from the NFL that he knew. And he came back up and he said, "Yeah, my NFL buddy said Western has more NFL prospects than Kentucky does." Um, so that's you know where Kentucky's talent was at that time to now where. You know, Kentucky was the team with the superior depth in the fourth quarter. Kentucky had the you know, the better set of receivers. Kentucky had the better quarterback. Uh, Kentucky had a, a lot of superior guys on, on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, putting a lot of guys in the NFL in the last few years. So it's all about the talent. <laughs> Absolutely. First and foremost. For sure. Um, this, of course, being the first time Kentucky went back-to-back -back against Florida since 76-77. You mentioned it on the show. You were kind of comparing and contrasting the vibe around Lexington and the fan base then as opposed to now. And did people just – was it just skeptical? Was it just nobody really wanted to jump in even though they had great football going on then? Back, back in the 70s? Yeah. yeah. Well, in, they hadn't been to a bowl game in 25 years, remember. There weren't that many bowl games at that time. So Kentucky had not played in a bowl game since 1951. And when they went to the Peach Bowl, <coughs> there was just off-the-charts excitement. 37,000 fans followed the team down to Atlanta for the bowl game. And so, uh, you know, I, I think when you hadn't been to a bowl game in 25 years, I, I don't know that anybody really dreamed much bigger than that. Okay. And uh, I think that was the, the deal because you had a lot of – you know, great players coming back. The other thing that might have taken a little of the edge off the anticipation was that they were on probation, so they weren't going to be able to go to a bowl game. Okay. And then uh, the other thing that happened early in that year, they had, um, I think, an injury or two in training camp leading up. Maybe David Hopewell, their starting center. Then they lost Jim Kovach, their best linebacker. They lost three more defensive starters in the first game, and they lost their best running back, Rod Stewart, in the second game. So they mm -hmm. were just – a deluge of, of injuries and they went down and got whipped by Baylor in the second game. It was about 120 on the field down in Waco. And I think at that point, uh, any excitement that was there was greatly diminished for all the injuries and the, the big loss to Baylor. But then they, they regrouped and a couple of weeks later went up and won at Penn State. Turned out to be the only loss that Penn State team had that year. And then by the middle of the year when they were healthy, that's when they went down and beat Georgia 30 three to nothing and LSU 33 to 13 in Athens and in Baton Rouge in successive weeks. And, you know, at that time, I think Kentucky was you know, at that part of October probably was as good as anybody in the country. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, for you, which we, it doesn't matter to us, I don't think, but we can't control what happens after the games have been played. We just had Freddie Maggot on and talked about it. 
But last year, people wanted to kind of diminish what Kentucky did with LSU and Florida not having good seasons down the stretch. So do you maybe part of you want to see Florida do good the rest of the way just to kind of stymie some of that that might? Sure. <laughs> I don't care as much about the, the talk, but I just think, you know, it uh, makes you look better if the teams you beat do better. And plus, I'd love to see Florida, you know, if you if you dream of Kentucky having a shot to get to Atlanta, then you'd love to see Florida get better and better and better and be able to test Georgia by the time they play in October. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. For sure. Um, I've got to ask you about the book. You mentioned you mentioned Mike as well and hadn't mentioned the book, but you, you wrote a book with Mike. Um, Kentucky basketball, two decades behind the scenes. Um not trying to bring it all down, but I, I take the, the both of you all about trying to have you on and because we had you on individually, want to try to have you on together. Um, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm going to rant, but it reminded me of Emmett Smith when he said, when he dreamed about breaking Walter Payton's record, I don't know, you being a Bears fan, he envisioned Walter being there, it being a sunny day. Of course, it didn't play out that way. So, of course, uh, Mike isn't here as well, but you both did the book. Uh, we all know Lacey Robinson, her Twitter profile is her and you and Mike there at the book oh, signing. And yeah, so at a liquor then, store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. Kentucky. It's Wait, Kentucky. Hey, well, no judgment call. find a place to do a book signing at uh, Christmas time in Louisville, and everybody was booked up, uh, bookstores and everything. And so uh, Mike said, well, my buddy here that owns this liquor store, uh, he said he'll be able to, he'd be glad to host us. And so uh, he did, and that's where we had the uh, uh, that's where we had the uh, uh, book signing, and uh, had a great turnout, had a great time. And there's stories in the book where you talk about you know fans talking about, especially at Indiana, you know how how vicious they were, even to you all. As Mike says, we're just the radio guys, but they were just so so rabid. And most of the time, the attention is on the players, is on Cal, more so when you guys roll into a town. Having signed the book, you and Mike were the center of attention. So was, was, how was that where everybody was there to see you all first and foremost? Oh, it, well, I mean, selfishly, we were selling a lot of books, so that was great. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was, it was fun because, you know, it's Christmas time. Uh, people were wanting to get a lot of books signed for family members, you know, other Wildcat fans. And so people had stories, especially for Mike, you know, stories about, you know, watching him play or the person they were buying the book for, you know, watched him play or was a, you know, Pratt and Issel fan or something like that. And I know Mike had a great time that day and uh, we had a tremendous turnout. And it was just, uh, it was one of our more fun uh, book signing events that we did. And I'm, I'm not going to try to put you on the spot. This is one thing that I, wish I'd asked Mike when we had him on. I knew guys spent a lot of time together and traveled together. Him being a Browns fan and, you know, growing up there in Dayton, when the Bengals came to town and began to be a franchise, you know, he was a young adult in his early 20s. I wonder if maybe you would ask him if he ever thought about switching allegiances. Was he ever tempted to root for that team from Cincinnati or was he always I don't think so. I think he was so locked in on the Browns that he was a Reds fan. Uh, you're growing up there in Dayton, you know, he wasn't a, a Cleveland Indians fan, but you know, I think what had happened, the Browns, um, uh, it being in Dayton, 
you know, the, uh, the way the TV deal worked in the NFL, I'm sure they got the Browns every week on TV. And the Bengals were so bad, they didn't sell out in those early years. So a lot of those games were blacked out on local TV. So I'm sure, he, you know, he got the Browns, uh, and especially before the Bengals even came into existence, you know, he probably had the Browns on TV every weekend. So he was a Reds fan and a Browns fan, and I'm sure it was, uh, I think, in fact, I think he's even talked we talked about that, that that's why he, you know, became a fan of, of the Browns. Now, as the Bears fan that you are, TB here is a 49ers fan, so <laughs> I always take delight when they lose. Were, were you surprised that your Bears were able to bounce back? Or yeah, was it was. It's freaky weather situation, so... <laughs> I almost went to that game. I'm glad I didn't to watch my team lose and sit in a torrential downpour. I'm, I'm glad maybe, I kind of backed out of that one. Maybe that helped them. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, do that. I was yeah. watching the Bengals game, and it was such a good game and kind of crazy. I was going back and forth between that and the Bears, but I watched the Bengals mostly. And uh, I know the Bears were down ten nothing early and came back and won. So you know, the Bears have uh, for the most part really struggled to find quarterbacks over my lifetime. So I'm hopeful. I was glad when they. Uh, made the move to get Justin Fields and maybe he can be a guy, the guy to finally solidify that position for more than a year or two for them. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're there in the house watching your bears, what hat do you watch a man? Is it just a fan or do you, do you find yourself kind of listening to what the broadcaster says and maybe he should have said it this way or that way? No, no I, I, I'm just a fan of those, those times. I'm when I'm working, I'm working and otherwise I'm uh, just, a fan watching but the only thing that's noteworthy is you know i don't cheer much um you know you just <coughs> you're uh conditioned not to in uh my job so and you know all media jobs and so i don't you know cheer a lot even if i go to games i just kind of watch uh but i'm you know into it um uh, and occasionally you know um i remember one of the, the in recent years one of the times that I just kind of jumped off the couch just cheering was the year that uh, the young lady, they called her Itty Bitty, I think, from Mississippi State, hit the shot to beat UConn and end their long winning streak. Yeah. Yeah. I was just tired of hearing about UConn and Mississippi State. was. I was watching that game and she hit the shot and jumped off the couch cheering. So that was one of the few times I cheered. So, on you know, you talk about the story famously of Jeff Van Note, you know, leaning out, hollering at the yeah. LSU fans. Yeah. And so most of the time, I guess there's never been a situation where a fan has kind of, have they maybe engaged you or you, you maybe mm -hmm. said something back or talked a little bit. No, no, never have had anything like that. Consummate uh, professional, Tom Leach. Always been, uh, always been uh, very smooth in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> Consummate professional. I got you, Tom. <laughs> now, We've all listened to you guys, you know, do games. Uh, the football team may get off to a bad start. The basketball team, say at Arkansas, they got down 15 to 2, you know, <coughs> get punched in the mouth and have to call a quick timeout. And we, we've all seen that. Has there been times where you personally are calling the game and you're like, who, in which there's no timeout for you, and you're like, I need to kind of get myself together. I, and you're trying to just make it to that first media timeout and kind of maybe recalibrate yourself. Has that ever happened? Only two or three times, maybe when I've been sick, like mm. my cold. Now I'm getting, I'm just about over this one. But um, you know, there were uh, there was one game when I was really sick and uh, had to had to leave to uh, keep from 
basically throwing up at courtside to, mm. uh, that Gabriel had to fill in for a few minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's about the only time when, you know, you're just kind of struggling to, if you've got a bad cold or something and just trying to get through a game. Um, and, uh, you know, those, those that's would be the only time just being, you know, a few times being sick over the years. I've been fortunate. I've never had, the only games I've had to miss have been when there've been two te- you know, the football and basketball playing at the same time, something like that. So I couldn't yeah. be both places, but otherwise I've never had to miss one for being sick. We could have more instances with that, with the football team going to some New Year's Day bowls and yeah. the, the the men's basketball game being set up to be, you know, toward the end of the year. That's a good problem to have as far as I'm concerned. Well, we know we're going to have one when uh, the football team plays Georgia on Saturday. Basketball's got to be in Spokane the next day. So <laughs> unless I uh, catch a ride on somebody's private jet after the football game, I don't think I'll be doing the Gonzaga game, unfortunately. I, I hate to miss that one, but uh, – if I can uh, find a ride on somebody's jet after the football game, uh, maybe I can make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Going back, you guys to have the... a jet? Hmm. Oh, we, we do not have a cat's talk jet as of yet. We're <laughs> we're working on that. Uh, we'll get with the financial folks. See if we can make the num- yeah. See if we can make the numbers uh, work. <laughs> a lot of crunching for a lot of years. For that. Well, it's like that line from the Ferris Bueller movie: "If you have the means, I highly recommend it." <laughs> if you could get a private jet, absolutely. That's right. That's right. Now I know you you gave your um, your lovely wife credit for you know a lot of transcribing in the book and mm-hmm. giving you some pointers and things of that nature. Uh, me having the name Vinny, I heard, you know, Vinny Barbarino, Vinny Testaverde, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Vinny Johnson, the microwave, all those type of jokes. When she agreed to take your hand in marriage and was going to become Mrs. Robin Leach, <laughs> how many lifestyles of the rich and famous jokes did y'all have to endure during that time period? Oh, yeah, there were more than a few. Uh, that was because uh, that was at the, probably the heyday of uh, the. Uh, lifestyles of the rich and famous show so yeah there were a few of those i'm sure yeah and people thinking they're being original and <laughs> yeah but everybody funny, everybody's funny the first it. time but after 500 it's really not that funny right absolutely right. like like the kid in school that breaks his arm what happened to your arm well the first time you feel it <laughs> yeah and then... well i've got a cast on it you want to take a guess <laughs> exactly exactly Oh, and two, Tom, you mentioned all the time on your show, the Leach Report, which we hear in Lexington and Louisville and throughout the state, the uh, all-resilient team. <laughs> you highlight the, the high school kids that have, you know, gone through adversity. Uh, one in particular, Cassidy Rowe, we've had her on several times. We've had her dad on, and they're just great people. But how did you start the all-resilient team? How did that begin? And, you know, uh, my son was playing high school football. Uh, at Woodford County and just watching them practice. And he had a kidney condition that uh, had kept him from playing football for most of his life, but finally worked out where he could play. And I was just watching practice one day and thinking, there's got to be a lot of kids that have some something that they have to deal with, physical, emotional, whatever. And so I actually got with Freddie. Uh, he was with the National Guard at that time. Mm-hmm. And they signed on as our primary sponsor initially. And that enabled us to you know, gather the, the stories and come up with, you know, uh, create a, a web page for them and to uh, have awards for them and plaques and the different things we've presented over the years. And um, 
to be able to recognize them. And it's been a really fun project, some really inspiring stories. So uh, the National Guard was our first big sponsor. Now we've got uh, a group of, of uh, entities that uh, are sponsoring the project. And uh, it's it's really fun. Yeah, and a lot of, I mean, unbelievable stories. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but some of the kids, that, oh, yeah. you know, the injuries or... I mean, sometimes it's something, I mean, like overcoming a knee injury is challenging enough, rehab yeah. and all that stuff. But then, you know, just other just amazing stories of what kids have had to face, you know, cancer survivors and things like that. Mm -hmm. The kid that broke his neck and, oh yeah, um, you know, parents' divorces and things beyond their control and, but affecting them, no doubt. So, yeah. So it's always cool to see you, you know, highlight the high schoolers throughout the state uh, in that regard too. And, uh, would definitely, of course, be tuning in, listening to you always. Look, one more thing too: the, the sports thing, uh, where you can sync up, you know, your your radio to you and and Picoro or to you and Goose. Is that just for people in Kentucky? You know, you can't be on our heart and try to sync up to that, or is that for people out of the state as well? I think you have to do it off. <laughs> a radio signal. I guess you could do it off the off, you know, if you were out of state and listening on the app. But the thing is, the app I think is is often going to be behind the action. So um, yeah. uh, any whatever any way you can find to get the picture to get the picture ahead of the sound. I always tell people a lot of times it's maybe if you're watching on TV and you listen through the Game UK Athletics app or the iHeart app. Uh, usually that puts the sound behind the pictures and then you can pause the DVR and sync it up. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a shame that it's as challenging as it is. I keep uh, trying to, anytime I find anybody that's computer, you know, IT savvy kind of people, I, I, I want somebody to invent uh, an app like on the phone where you can just kind of do it yourself and mm -hmm. you could pull up a signal and then you open this app and you can adjust the delay to match it up because I, I used to love to go to Reds games and listen to Marty or when I would go on baseball trips over the, you know, every summer to listen to the local broadcasts and it's gotten where you can't do it anymore. Cause uh, even if you're listening off the radio, there's a delay. Yeah. I was in Hilton head this past weekend and just turned on our heart. And for, to my surprise, I mean, it was right with you and Picoro. Oh, good. More so than I mean, ever. So, yeah. And, you know, it used to be in Kaywood's day, <coughs> the engineer at the studio could sync up the broadcast to the local TV signal. Well, now everybody's getting their TV signal different ways. You may be getting it on dish. You may be getting it on your cable. You may be getting it, you know, one yeah. room of the house could be a half second off. And yeah. so it's just impossible to, to sync it up. So what would have to happen, again, coming back to that, inventing that app is it's got to be on the the end user the, the listener is going to be the one that's got to be able to sync it up and if we ever find a way to make that easy for people i think we'll have even more listeners yeah yeah and last thing man we'll let you get out of here appreciate you fighting through the cold to hop on with us Absolutely. but monday on your call-in show uh a caller called in asking about nebraska and mark stoops kind of shot it down before it yeah. got any you know, he said the Pandora's box. Here goes somebody asking about that. And he said he's content here and, and happy continuing to be here. So that was that was good to hear. 
Yeah, I just I didn't even uh, ever think Nebraska was uh, an issue. I think it's a, would be a <coughs> a step back. And as hard as it was, you know, for this job, it, it might even be just as hard there um, with how far it's it's sunk there and the situation they're in. So, you know, I uh, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to. Uh, come after him but like I said today if I were them I'd try to round up all the money I could to get him and if I were him I wouldn't take the call <laughs> yeah. yeah well well, where I am in Iowa now uh, Mr. Leach they are very proud of, of uh, what Mark Stoops has done and when my neighbors and people know that I'm from Kentucky it's always it used to be what Cal and those guys are doing but now <laughs> it's hey Stoops, is, Stoops has got it rolling so they're very proud of their uh, of their former player here. Yeah, he has, uh, you know, fond memories, I know, of his days at Iowa as a player and, and uh, his brothers, too. Um, I know a lot of people think that would might be a job that would interest him. I don't know that it, that it would. Uh, you know, I, I think he's really happy here, and he's put down some pretty deep roots. And, you know, if they can have – they, they could have a special year this year or um, sometime soon to where you could – you know, when this playoff expands, that 18 team or the team last year would have been right there on the fringe of getting into the playoff. And I would think if you're a guy like Stoops, that's if you think you can get into the playoff here, then why uh, why would you have to leave uh, and go elsewhere? And uh, I think Kentucky's, you know, uh, those two years would have been good enough to be right there on knocking at the door and maybe getting in to a 12 team playoff and who knows, maybe it eventually goes to 16. And um, that way, you know, you've got a, a shot at, you know, the, the big prize and that makes it easier to recruit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he may not take that Nebraska call, but maybe he would just take the Iowa call as a courtesy. And that's oh yeah. His own sure yeah. Listen to the Iowa. Yeah. Oh, but I, I really don't think that would, uh, you know, be the, be the job that would, you know, and maybe there's there's not one that would entice him to leave. Hopefully, I, yeah. I, ho- I hope not. Keep I, I I talk about Iowa. And I'm not saying that he's going to leave, but I'm just saying they're very proud of him, and uh, <laughs> he's he's on a lot of people's short list of Ferentz yeah. were to to yeah. step away. But I hope Mark Stoops stays in Lexington because the last five six years have been. Ab- I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Again, you see every game, but it's been it, it's it's been fun. Kroger Field is great. the The road environment is great. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's been uh, fantastic. Well, Tom, we look forward to hearing you on the uh, the Stoops Marrow Homecoming Invitational when Youngstown State coming to town. And uh, hope you continue to get better. And we appreciate everything you do, listening to you on football and basketball. Enjoyed the book very much. It is. It's kind of like. Well, I'm sure. It's like hearing the broadcast when you read it. It's, <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, it's I'm like glad, hearing... so glad we did it because I've got a lot of good uh, tapes of, of those interviews that Mike and I did, and so uh, it was fun doing the project with him. Yeah, it's like the broadcast or the Thursday night, the Thursday mornings when he was on Leach Report every yeah. week. It's it's exactly. just you just hear both voices back and forth. They automatically just hear the two of you. So that's right. Great stuff, and thank you so much for everything you do, and appreciate you taking the time to hop on here with us this evening. Thank you guys. Glad to help. Sorry for the delay, the the problems, but glad we got it worked out. Yes, absolutely. Sir. We appreciate it. Thank yes, you, Mr. Bye bye. Voice of the Cats, Tom Leach, fighting through old cold to hop on here with us. Got Tom and Freddie both in here. A lot of fun stuff. Uh, 
Got Youngstown State coming up, then Northern Illinois. Don't get too big for your britches. Handle business and then get ready for them old Miss Rebels on the road. Yeah, in a, in a couple of weeks. So uh, I am going to finish this up by watching. Uh, I saw that Kentucky took the first set uh, in the Battle of the Bluegrass on mm-hmm. volleyball. And don't don't sleep on the toppers. Yeah. Western Kentucky is number 21 in the country. And so um, it's probably been a while since the state has had three teams ranked in anything at the same time. Yeah. yeah so sure. we we talk about football, basketball. Kentucky might be a volleyball state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at, at, right. at, this, at this stage, you know, Kentucky won a championship. Louisville was runner-up the next year, and, and now they're both powerhouses. And, again, don't forget about Western. And the great, uh, the great talent and the great teams they've had down there. So, uh, completely excited. Yeah, um, for sure. And we'll talk in the coming weeks. We got, you know, the, the camp out is back. The Big Blue Madness is back for those who want to do that. And it's Memorial Coliseum is going to be involved. So, we saw Cal announce that news. Uh, so, we got that to look forward to as well. Got volleyball to look forward to tonight. And... It's that time of year, man. All kind of stuff is popping off. Um, I can't say I hope the Niners win next week, but, you know, uh, I don't know who you play. Y'all at home? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I'm glad I didn't go. Yeah, I thought game. about you, boy, when I saw that rain. And and then they lost, too. I was surprised. I was like, man, well, the TB didn't go down there and, and sit through that. That'd have been w- once we settled in uh, to, you know, my mom was here last Wednesday through Saturday and we just thought getting to Chicago was going to be a little much. Plus we just got a bed. Plus we just had folks come out, take measurements to get window treatments. So you start doing all that. You look at the funds. You're like, maybe I should just watch this on TV. <laughs> you know, maybe you know. And and I got a new grill, and you're still getting a lot of stuff for the house. So the traveling around, not quite, you know, not quite there. But I think the 49. I think we're scheduled to go to Minnesota next year. So oh, okay. uh, Minnesota, uh, Kansas City, Chicago, all equivalent, all e- kind of distance wise from uh, from Iowa. So. Hopefully I'll be able to see uh, the 49ers because I used to see them all the time when they would go to uh, Cincinnati every five or six years in that rotation. Yeah. I've seen like three or four games in uh, in Cincinnati, but glad I didn't go. Uh, not that they lost. I, you know, I just I'm too old to be sitting outside in the rain. Yeah, man. That's and yeah. You know, in covering games like we've had the ability to do, I don't like going to games as a regular person. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but. I, yeah, I don't like that. I can see that. I I, you, I get used I to food and <laughs> you go to a football game, you're in the box and it's covered and all this kind of stuff. And uh, you get used to that. You don't like going back regular. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first was the first one I did at at Tennessee. But you know, we we had the thing my my dad, my sister and I, we were going to every game until Kentucky won. That was we don't care how many years it takes, we're gonna be there. And in that in that streak, yeah, that was no, maybe it was. I can't remember now. Anyway, 
one of those times I was covering it, we were in Knoxville. And so <laughs> we're walking around. Not much of a tailgate scene in Neyland Stadium because it's just a lot of parking lots and it's not, you know, per, like, you know, Commonwealth used to be, used to have all that spacious grass, which is not as much at Kroger Field as it used to be either. But it's even less in Knoxville. He's just kind of walking around surveying the stuff. And, but <laughs> I got to the gate where it was to the elevator. And so I'm like, I'm like, peace out, y'all. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm fixing going up this alley and 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 my dad's just like, oh, we the we the we the outside, you know what? Mm-hmm. You fixing to be the inside, you know what? Mm-hmm. Up in here, up, up in yeah. Like we see, it. I say, hey, I, I, I'll see y'all at this over. That, that that's how I operate. I go to Kroger Field. People are like OTB, you know, stop by my tailgate, and I do. I've been to a lot of great tailgates, but it's always like I gotta go. You know, they got food up there. I get. Th- Two three meals up at the at the press box Conwell hey, Stadium. I followed your blueprint because to get there two hours early, mm-hmm. whatever other sport sport you're covering, the sampling of the morsels mm-hmm. and the baked goods and the cooked goods and I'm saying like Bill Cosby and the dinner and the green beans and the, I, I do everything. I, I was like I I learned by watching you. We only cover one together. Uh, that one game at Rupp, I forget who it was. Yeah, yeah. I think you was with Cam and I was with Big Blue. Night, whatever, we was at different sites, and both of us got to be there at the same time. But I, I did the same thing. I was like, "This is this is how you do it right here." And so, yeah, I, I, you, you know, know, as soon as they open the doors, I get to Rupp before the lights are even on. <laughs> I love that. Popping the rims up, they still race. Yeah, yeah. I get. I love to get there early and hang out. I, I don't like. I'm not. A, Ashamed to say, I don't like going as a regular fan. It's yeah. not as much fun. You get your ticket, you get your seat. Like I, I don't need tickets. <laughs> <laughs> we just walking around wherever we want to go and behind the scenes. And I'm, I'm rubbing elbows with Magic Johnson. You, 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 you regular folks, stay away from me. <laughs> I'm courtside. People see me on TV. Hey, hey you ain't lying. You ain't it, lying. Now it backfired. That Duke game, the Zion Williams and Duke game, oh, yeah, with me and Tina sitting there courtside, two mm. rows from the floor for that Duke basket during the second half. Mm. That was zero fun, yeah, because we were close to the Duke bench and the Duke people. Mm. That was not fun, yeah. And I got people texting me, This is tough to watch. <laughs> the Duke Blue Devil came to my face and said, Your team's not very good, man. I see. So I don't want to hear because you're upset you're watching this game or you're even in the arena. The Duke Blue Devil. I was like, Are mascots even supposed to talk? Right. Yeah. He like, what are you doing? Your team's not very good. Mm, Okay. All right. Thank you, Duke Blue Devil. Mm -hmm. So that time it backfired. But other than that, uh, other than that, good. So volleyball coming up. I know men's soccer still number six in the country. Yep. Hey, killing and, it. And and with men's and women's basketball, we got there's a lot going on now. Yes, Women, women's track. So again, I tell folks, as you can see, I've got gymnastics. I've got mm. who was that? Women's soccer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm all cats. Everything, literally, mm-hmm. literally. Got my got my men's soccer. I got my regular soccer folks. Nope. On top of even, and you, oh. you see my my Jerry Rice shrine right there, but. uh you're running the gamut. You got it all covered. I got. I see you. I see you. I see you. <laughs> Freddie talked about he's like me because he got a couple of hats. Leave me, a, y'all. Leave me. A... <laughs> you brought that on yourself, man. Everybody's seen your. Everybody's seen your game, man. We know how you roll. 
Look, I'm just I'm just ready for the new basketball shorts. When can I buy those? Because mm. well, look, man, we finally got rid of the checkerboard, and people complaining about these are too plain. Come on, man! Like y'all just want to complain about something. Look, if it's Kentucky, I'm gonna wear it. Because right now, look. Oh, the denims. I got my denims on, man. If if the team does good, the uniforms become classic. So yeah, that's right. That's that's how that goes. But always a fun time. Great guest tonight. You you told me who you were having. That gets me. I always get excited for cats talk. Get super duper excited. We have great guests and and the voice of the cat, Tom Leach, and and Freddie Maggard, longtime friend of the show. Love Freddie. Love watching him in the press box. he looked like a, a dad outside of the delivery room in the hospital. Yeah. He just starts pacing. Yeah. And he's pacing and he's kind of mumbling. He's got, mm-hmm. I love it. I love Freddie's energy uh, and everything. So good to have them on and recap the great, great win at Florida. Three mm-hmm. out of five against the Gators. Yep. Uh, Kentucky fans, kids, kids. This is my old man yelling at the cloud rant. Stop setting stuff on fire. Yeah. Stop knocking over cars. Yeah. Stop that. Just stop. Number one, it's dumb in general. Number two, you're beating Florida football. You don't do that if you win three out of five. Yeah. It it it's it's lost its newness. I don't know if you saw this. I just questioned when did State Street become a thing? Um, because I told those kids, and they're all kids, Woodland Euclid was the spot. Yeah. And I had a youth come to me and say, you know, basically, Grandpa, that was in the 90s. You know, get with it. My response was, we celebrated two national championships at Woodland Euclid. You celebrated one at State Street. Who's really the loser here? <laughs> I, I don't know. Fair question. I had a good time, Woodland Euclid. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to talk about 96 because... We still, you know, 30 years, we still got some statute limitations on some of that stuff that we did. Yeah. Woo, yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. I, I tell <laughs> folks all the time, 96 was just insane. 98 was fun. Don't get me wrong. I had fun both times. But 98, that's when they shut off <laughs> people driving on campus and they had checkpoints and they turned that Super America into a little pl- police, like their <laughs> substation. So it was organized for but 96. Yeah. It was pandemonium. It was just, yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Anyway. Yeah. Whatever you say, Grandpa. Hey, hey, two championships. They still count. I don't want to hear nothing about it. Kids. That's right. Two of the eight. So leave it alone. Yeah, but uh, you know, stop don't don't celebrate that. Like don't don't do that. It's it's a it's a it's a bad look for all of us. That's right. It really is a bad look. I've seen that video of the kids. Knocking over the car on all kinds of things, NPR and CBS. Like, come on, man, we gotta, we gotta do better, Kentucky students. Be better, exactly, exactly. And next week we got an author coming on. Okay, Kevin Cook. He has got a book coming out in November. It's called House of Champions. Uh, I think they might be sending a copy. I can have for him next week. But he's, he's talking about all of you know, Rupp Arena, Memorial Coliseum, Alumni Gym writing and detailing it from the perspective of the venues that Kentucky has played in. So it's a different angle about Kentucky basketball. So we're going to have Kevin Cook on next week. 
And we'll see. Who knows? Maybe maybe another guest. I can't say. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. It's always fun, and yeah. we're gonna do it again next week for sure. Appreciate That's how you. we do. Thanks to Freddie Maggard, Tom Leach, Terry TV Brown. Y'all can hear this wherever you listen to podcasts. Y'all can watch it on YouTube. Watch it on Roku, courtesy of the BS3 Network, BS3TVLive.com, on your Roku devices. Tell your friends about it. And if you want to advertise your business or product on the show, just reach out to the BS3 Network, and we'd be happy to promote your stuff right here on the Wednesday evenings. I hit this promo video, TV, man. Have fun. Uh, hope the steaks and the chops come out perfectly. Oh, we're going to get them, baby. We're rocking. All the best to your Kate. And we'll holler at everybody next week on Cats Talk Wednesday. <laughs>